Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come at Charlestown Road. Well, this week, Jason had the honor of preaching Sunday morning, and we're still building upon our theme for the year, finish what was started. And when you think about that concept, especially from a perspective of a runner, you know, his eyes are focused on the finish line. But where you start and how you start is also essential. And so the month of January, we've been kind of preaching off and on, both of us, about the starting point and different aspects of that, different layers of that. And so Jason took us Sunday morning to the book of Colossians in chapter 1, and that Jesus Christ is the ultimate starting point. Uh, I love a statement he made in that lesson that we don't define where it starts, God does. And so he went through this pivotal passage that really identifies the role of Jesus and why we must start with Jesus. So I kind of throw it back to you, Jason, for a minute, just kind of highlight the sermon. And then we're going to talk about some aspects of this context here and some questions that came out of that. Sure. Colossians 1, 15 to 20 was the text, and it is just one of those passages. It feels kind of like a Grand Canyon sort of section of Scripture. Paul, in talking about Jesus, says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Uh, All things he emphasizes were created through him and for him. Then he returns to he is before all things In him, all things hold together. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that through him, God would reconcile all things to himself. And so we just spent the first two-thirds or so of the sermon reflecting on that, and then the latter third just allowing Paul to briefly show us what that means for us. Right in the middle of all of these descriptions of who Jesus is, sprinkled in is he's the head of the body, the church. And I suggested on Sunday that's where this ultimate starting point intersects with everyday human life, right? Jesus is willing to help alienated sinners be reconciled. He's died for us. Peace with God is available by the blood of his cross. It's up to me to respond to this good news just the way that those in Colossae did 2,000 years ago and then walk from that starting point in a way that pleases God. You know, in, in this text, and I want to point this out, four times this expression, he is, is used. And, and I like that because it's kind of like God is describing Jesus to us. You know, oftentimes when I sit down with a young couple before uh, the marriage, I'll, I'll just turn to them and say, well, why do you want to marry him? You know, and, and then usually what comes out is he is cute. He is kind. He is spirit. You know, out comes the he is stuff. Well, here God gives us the he is stuff. So in verse 15, he is the image of God. And then it says in verse 17, he is before all things. And then two times in verse 18, he is also the head of the body. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. And so it's like you're talking to, to the father and he said, well, tell me about Jesus. Well, this is Jesus. He is. And, and that's just a powerful, powerful thought. Great sermon. It's on our website. We encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, to do it. If you've already been here with us, you ought to listen to it again because it's just a great reminder that Jesus is where we start. Now, that's where, that's where it's going to take us to our very first question. Because in our culture today, a lot of people want to start with the church. And so they go what's called church shopping. And it's just like car shopping. They go from place to place looking what you have to offer for me. What kind of goodies do you have? What kind of activities do you have for my kids? And we didn't start there Sunday. Right. We started with Jesus. So why does it matter whether I start with Jesus or I start with the church? Yeah, well, many ways that we could answer that. Uh, the New Testament holds up Jesus as the Lord and Savior. The church is not the Savior of mankind. The church is not the head of any man or woman, right? The, uh, the head of the church is Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the body. And we need to keep that in mind, especially as people at times describe being disappointed with the church, disillusioned with the church. Now, before we were done on Sunday morning, I tried just to briefly emphasize, and we'll talk more about it, Lord willing, throughout 2023, the church is absolutely essential to pleasing God. We need to make sure that we understand that loud and clear. Those once alienated from God, now reconciled, are added by God to his church. It's important if we want to finish what was started, to start where God would have us to start and be a part of what he would have us to be a part of. That is the church, right? But we recognize from the pages of the New Testament, the church is made up of people. And at times, people are messy. At times, people will disappoint us. At times, people will even hurt us. But when we go through those challenging times in our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ— Number one, we need to recognize that's not new, right? If you read the New Testament, you can read about brothers and sisters in Christ learning to get along and being instructed to get along. But number two, it is absolutely essential that we remember Jesus is our Savior. Our relationship is with Jesus and an offshoot of that vertical fellowship with God is enjoying the horizontal fellowship, if you will, that comes with the church. But you read here in Colossians, you read how John reasons in 1 John chapter 1, relationship first with Jesus, stick close to Jesus, follow Jesus, and then enjoy and be a blessing in the context of the local church. And, you know, I, I've heard people say, you know, through the years, well, you know, th this person in the church didn't talk to me, or everyone was invited, but I wasn't invited, or I saw this person in the store, and they didn't say hi to me, and, uh, you know, and, and, and the list is long sometimes of how we bump and bruise one another. But when we think about it, Jesus has never done that to us. Right. 
Jesus has never ignored us. He's never avoided us. There's never a time when we prayed and Jesus said, quit talking to me. Uh, never, never. And so we remind ourselves that we are part of the body, but it's the head that saves us. It's the head that we praise and honor. We're a work in progress. And that helps us to keep that concept. So why does it matter whether we start with Jesus or start with the church? Because it's Jesus first. You know, that old, the old question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> which came first, Jesus or the church? Jesus, Jesus did. Yes. Always Jesus. Yes, we are branches of the vine that is Jesus. We're, we're not branches of the church. We are branches of the vine, and Jesus is that vine. So even when our fellow branches disappoint us, that is not a reason to walk away from Jesus. Absolutely. Well, one of the, one of the verses in this great context is, is in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We're going to pull out two questions from that. And, and the first thing is we understand that God is a spirit. John chapter 4 tells us that God is a spirit. So how can Jesus be the image of something that's invisible? Yeah. And, and, you know, the very verse says that he is the image of the invisible God. Well, that doesn't make sense because the invisible is invisible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I briefly, briefly highlighted a couple of passages that just help us understand why Paul would use that sort of language. John chapter 1, the prologue to the gospel, verse 18, no one has ever seen God. This same apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 16, God alone has immortality. He dwells in inapproachable light uh, whom no one has ever seen or can see. So what would Paul have had in mind by bridging this unapproachable, unseeable, in, invisible gap? It, it helps me to remember that, okay, we are, are living at this point in the Roman world. Uh, this is obviously long before the days of television or social media or anything like that. I want you to imagine living in the city of Colossae. You might not ever lay eyes on the Roman Caesar. Uh, you might hear about him every once in a while. It might be a once-in-a-lifetime just moment where you could see, let's say in some grand parade, Caesar going by in his chariot. But this would, this would be the sort of thing, oh, okay, I, I grow up, I live, I die, and I might not ever see a, a represent or a, uh, with my own eyes, the actual Caesar in the flesh. But what would Caesar do each and every Caesar. He would mint his own coins. He would scatter statues of himself all over the empire. There would be these kinds of ancient billboards with his image, right? On coins, on statues. And, and that sort of thing would have been much more on the minds of these people, I believe, than, than for us where, I mean, we can go uh, day after day after day and see uh, video footage of the president of the United States or whomever all around the world. I think that's the sort of 
historical and cultural context that would have been at play when Paul talks about, okay, there is an invisible God that we know created all things. He unashamedly preaches that invisible God wherever he goes. But what makes this news special is this God has provided an image, just like Caesar would provide a coin or a statue, but this is so much better. This image walked among us in flesh and blood, which is why Jesus would go so far as to say in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right, I'm going to get on here and get, get on here. Just okay, a bit. okay, here we go. So, so I've got an old Roman coin. Uh, I think it's Domitian. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, he's got a big nose and he's got curly <laughs> hair. And and so if I could go back in time and see a Roman looking like that, I'd say, okay, that's Domitian because it looks like this coin. Yeah. So if we could go back in the first century and say, okay, Jesus had maybe a little bit of curly hair, maybe had this color of eyes, that size of nose. That's what God looks like. No, 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 no. No, we're we're not talking. Jesus makes it clear, like you said, God is spirit. He, in a variety of different ways, emphasizes that the body is temporary. Even our physical marriages are temporary, right? But God does not have a certain color eyes or a certain color hair or certain shaped nose. He's not like us. What Jesus is the image of, in simplest of terms, is the heart and the mind of God. So when they saw Jesus, it wasn't he's five foot something. No. What they were seeing is grace in action. Exactly. They saw forgiveness, which in that culture, they probably had never seen forgiveness. They saw true biblical love. They saw a servant and the heart of a servant. And so, so that's the quality. What we're talking about are the qualities of God. Right. And, and that's, that's a characteristic that we need to see. And so, again, it's real easy for us when we see the word image, just say, well, you know, he looks like his dad, so that I know who he's related to. We're not talking physical here. We're talking about the qualities, the character of heart. And, and I think that's the transfer to us. Because when it says in Genesis that we are made in the image of God, well, we all look so different. I mean, some of us are short, some are tall, some are fat, some are skinny. You know, it's kind of like that Oscar Mayer hot dog song, you know. <laughs> We're all different. But that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is God has put a soul in us, and God has put choices in this, and God has put a, a, a heart with a conscience in this. And, and when we carry those characteristics of God— we become like God. Right. That's that's what Paul, I think, is driving at here. And I think it's it's real great to see that. Well, verse 15 also ends with this other expression. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, that causes trouble, too, because right. in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But it sounds like here, he was born, the firstborn. Right. And, and you have a firstborn, I have a firstborn, and we, we ask, you know, somebody was to come to us and ask us, okay, guys, name your firstborn. Well, we would name them right. because that's, <laughs> that's who they are. 
It doesn't mean that. What's it mean? Yeah. Our firstborns have not been from eternity, right? Our firstborns had a beginning. That is the way we naturally think of uh, the firstborn in, in our own context. But especially when we go back and we read our Old Testaments, we, we begin hopefully to understand that when the Bible talks about firstborn, it's not simply talking about who was born first, but the person who holds rank or supremacy, right? The, the one who is, if you will, at the very top of the ladder. And so obviously inheritance oftentimes would flow through the firstborn. They might get a double portion of the inheritance. It's a way not just of describing who came first, but who ranks above all. And so you mentioned John chapter one, John's gospel especially is valuable to get insight that, for instance, when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Jews who heard that knew what he was claiming. That's why they picked up stones to stone him, right? And even here in our passage, Colossians chapter 1, I think Paul is emphasizing that same thing. He is before all things. We're not saying Jesus is a created being. It is simply he ranks above all. All things were created through him and for him. In that sense, he holds the supreme rank in the universe. So then in verse 18, the apostle uses that word again. Right. He is the firstborn from the dead. What would that mean there? Yeah. So from the dead, that takes us back to, okay, this son of God really died but he didn't stay dead. He came out of the grave, and this same Apostle Paul, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 15, describes him as the first fruits, right? That, okay, a great harvest has begun. The The seed of Jesus's body went into the ground and something sprouted. New life came out of that grave. And Paul briefly references it here. If you want to understand exactly what he's talking about, go back and read 1 Corinthians 15, where he reasons that just as Jesus came out of the grave, he is the first fruits, the, the preview of what is to come in the resurrection of all of us. And, and there's a big difference from the first fruit and the only fruit. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, th- those of us that garden understand that. You, you know, you plant this tomato plant and you get your first tomato of the season. Well, you pick that ripe tomato off and you don't pull the plant up from the ground and say, okay, <laughs> got my one plant, got my one tomato. No, it's the first and more to follow. Right. And so that's the concept in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus was raised, but we too will be raised because he is the first of those things. Exactly. Well, also, right before this context uh, in, in Colossians chapter 1, he said in verse 13, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
Let's talk about this word transfer. You know, yeah. a lot of us do online banking, and sometimes we'll transfer funds from one account to the other account or savings account to checking or vice versa. And we kind of get this idea in the banking world what it means to move our money around. Yeah. But what's he meaning here to transfer us? Well, it is the ultimate statement of authority over everything, right? It is not that, well, there is a realm where Satan ultimately rules and Jesus is repelled from that. He, there, there's no way he can make any sort of an advance or invasion. Listen, he is describing people in the slavery of sin, but when they as we highlighted from earlier in Colossians chapter one in the sermon, when they responded to the word of the truth, the gospel and obeyed in the name of Jesus Christ, this one is so powerful, so preeminent that he can reach into the domain of darkness and transfer People who were slaves of sin now to be citizens of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Well, that seems kind of heavy language. It is. <laughs> so, okay. So, so what does that mean that yeah. God is, you know, I, I think what I see in this is our relationship has changed. It has. Um, you know, you, you, your daughter's dating this guy and she brings him over for the first time and he's kind of a stranger to the family mm-hmm. and you kind of get to know him. But through the process of dating and time, they're engaged and they get married. There's a transfer taking place. Yep. He's now one of us. And that's, that's what he's talking about. We were in darkness and now we are in light. What happened? There was a, there was a transfer and that came about by the blood of the cross, by the blood of Jesus all that came about. Yeah, to borrow from our theme from last year. I, I once was alienated from God and hostile in mind, but when I am a part of this kingdom of light, what am I able to say? I am his and he is mine. Absolutely. Great sermon. And, and again, I, I really love this context. It, it really is a defining point in our Bibles. It ought to be something that you just kind of section off you know, in your Bible, kind of highlight it because it's, it's so valuable. It gives us heaven's description. It shows us what Jesus does. It shows us our place. And it's just a powerful, powerful summation of what God and Jesus is doing in our lives. And so if you haven't had the chance, as I said before, let's Let's go back and grab the sermon, and it just helps us in a lot of different ways. I appreciate it. Roger, of course, this is Wednesday. We are looking forward to being able to gather together, Lord willing, this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yes, and again, building off our theme, which we do everywhere we go, uh, our theme is finish what was started. We're going to talk about what was started. And that's our, that's our theme for this quarter. And we're looking at different layers of that. And we'll, we'll continue that this evening by looking at yet another layer of what was started and how God helps us to find Him. Our, of course, we have classes for all ages. We would love to have you join us. Our building blocks track of studies that goes from middle school all the way through high school and one of our adult tracks. We're studying the book of Genesis as a book of beginnings and we're going to talk 
tomorrow or this evening about the beginning of a fresh start with humanity. We're going to go back and dive into that story of Noah and see what we can learn that applies to us even today. Roger, I appreciate you taking the time to think through some of these things with me. We appreciate all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We'd love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 